Let us pray. O Almighty God, who alone can sorter the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest, and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Repent and believe in the gospel. Today, I want to enumerate on what it only took Jesus six words to say. Somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, I'm going to take on six words of Jesus Christ. Maybe I should just read it and sit down. Amen? No, you have to listen to me. And it's nice that the clock says 11 o'clock on the dot, so that means I know exactly how long I've been preaching. (laughs) Repent and believe in the gospel. These two commands of our Lord Jesus Christ are essential to the Christian religion. The Christian faith is indeed exclusive. It claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. And this faith, at its bedrock, lies these two commands of our Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe. These words are essential to our faith. And they characterize the entire ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the gospel according to Mark, these are the first words uttered by our Lord. Much has been said and done by others to prepare his way. But here, 15 15 verses in, we hear the words of our Lord for the first time. Repent and believe in the gospel. We are people of the truth. We tell the truth about both who we are and who Christ is For us. We are people who repent and we are people who believe. Repentance is kind of a dirty word today because repentance implies sin. And we are a culture which is allergic to sin. We are allergic to any idea that in any way we have fallen or failed to meet any sort of outside requirement. But at the same time, we are a culture obsessed with condemnation. We are a culture that has been described as cancel culture. We love condemnation, but we hate to admit that we stand condemned. We are a people who love to point to the log or to the speck in one's own eye, another's eye, while ignoring the log that is in our own. We live in a culture which is allergic to the idea that we have failed. Repentance is more than just feeling sorry for oneself. It's something that pierces into the marrow of our bones. It's something that comes from the deepest well of our person. It's something that comes from the heart. 
Repentance has to do with the heart. The Christian faith has to do with the heart. The Greek understanding of the person placed the mind at the center of the person. They placed the mind above all things because they thought that knowledge is power. Knowledge would lead to virtue because if you knew better, you'll do better. And I stand here today as a living testament that the Greeks were wrong. Knowledge does not lead to virtue. Knowledge, it may be revealing as what God's ultimate plan and will for our life is, but it is powerless in enacting what it demands. Knowledge is not power. Indeed, it holds power over us. The law reveals to us God's holy will for our lives, for all of creation. It puts all things in their right place, but much like being told, don't eat that cookie before dinner, we automatically want that cookie more than we ever could have imagined. Knowing and doing are two different things. And so, because we have failed to do those things which we ought to do and have done those things which we ought not to do, we stand condemned before Almighty God. For in the beginning, He placed us in the garden and He said, You shall eat of any tree, of any fruit in the garden, except for one. That one do not touch. And what do our human ancestors do but touch and taste and are ashamed and hide themselves from God? Our feeling of fear and transgression, or our, our, our idea of being a transgressor, a sinner, standing condemned before God, leads us to fear, to despair, to hopelessness before Almighty God. We stand as sinners. As much as we may not want to hear it, the Christian religion tells the truth about our human condition east of Eden. In that book by John Steinbeck, he describes the interior person as a bubbling black cauldron where black creatures come out from that cauldron only to fall back into the cauldron once more. But sometimes those creatures come out. Sometimes those things which are welling up inside us come out in our exterior actions. But we believe that it's not only those exterior actions which are evil. We believe that what lies at the heart of human beings is something totally corrupted. Indeed, the whole person is corrupted. Mind, body, spirit. We are at our heart, are sinners. Scripture reveals to us that we are sinners. The psalmist says that he confesses to God with a broken and contrite heart. This is repentance. This is coming to the end of oneself to realize how much they have failed and how little they have to offer and only looking up. Out of the depths I have cried unto thee, O Lord, hear my cry. This is the cry of a penitent heart. This is the cry of a heart which has seen 
the impurity which is within and can only look up and cry for mercy. As we confess daily, we know as Anglicans, as Christians, that we have erred and strayed like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against God's holy laws, doing those things which ought not to be done and not doing those things which ought to be done. And before Almighty God, we stand condemned, miserable sinners. And we know the truth that John reveals that if we say or pretend we have no sin, the truth is not in us. But this is not the end of the verse. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But the truth also is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. For as the psalmist proclaims, with you is plenteous redemption. With you is plenteous salvation. With you is steadfast love, O Lord. For in the face of our sinful rebellion against God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In the place of everlasting death, we are given eternal life through believing in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The one who died on our behalf, the one who hung on a cross, cursed so that we might become the blessed of God. Who stood, who stood in the place of the unlovable so that we might be loved. Indeed, to show God's love, Christ died for sinners. While we are unlovely, while we are uh, trapped in our sin and our rebellion, God loves us anyway. God loves his creation so much so that he would not let them wallow in their sinful rebellion, but rather sent his son to die on their behalf so that we might be the righteousness of God. We have nothing to offer God but our filthy rags. We have nothing to offer him except our faith in him and his promises. All we are to do is to repent and believe in the gospel. For the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's revealed in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, and indeed in the hope that he will come again. And that at his coming, we will hear those words which all the faithful hope to hear. Come, my blessed children, into the home prepared for you by the Father from the beginning of creation. This is had by faith. This is had by believing in the good news and the comfortable words of Jesus Christ's love from the cross. This word of love is what transforms our heart. Knowing what we ought to do and ought not to do, while revealing, has no power to enact what it requires. But when we hear the word of love, the word of the cross, the word of the gospel proclaimed by Jesus himself, we are transformed. This 
is the idea of imputation. The idea that something is applied to something else and thus transforms it. I've heard the uh, image of someone you could maybe call a wallflower, a plain Jane, if even someone like that exists. I'm not sure yet. But you've seen this happen before, right? You've seen this plain Jane go off to college and come back and she's glowing. She's just brimming with confidence and uh, personality that you never noticed before. And what happened? What happened over those four months is that she found a boy. She found a boy who loves her regardless of who she is. He loves her just the way she is. And this love, which is shown unconditionally, transforms her life. And brothers and sisters, this is the transformative word that we hear from the cross. When we hear it is finished and he hangs his head and dies for us with ears to hear, we hear that all of our pain, all of our anxiety before the Lord is finished. God showed his love to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ showed love to plain Janes. And if you've never trusted in the Lord today, I encourage you to hear those words of Christ today. Repent and believe. Repent. Come to the end of yourself. Sink to the bottom of the ocean and look up out of the depths and cry, Lord, hear my cry. Come to the end of yourself and turn to another. Turn to one who has loved. Turn to the one who gives us his righteousness by faith. Turn to the one who is plenteous in redemption, who will save Israel from their sins. Believe and it will be accounted to you as righteousness. And because we are loved, we therefore love. The thing which we could have never done by the law is enacted and fulfilled by faith. For the law says, do this, and it is never done, says Luther. But grace, the gospel says, believe this, and it is already done for you. This is our message. This is the message of the church. This is the message of the disciples called by Christ and sent out into the corners of the earth. Preach the word. Preach the eternal word. Preach the word of the cross. Preach the word of love to dead bones. Though we have gone astray like lost sheep, Christ is our good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is our Savior. And our Savior calls us afresh today. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Come, sit, eat at my table. For the bread which I give you is my flesh, which was given for you. The wine that I give you is my blood, which was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
And though we are unworthy to sit at that table, he commands us to come sit and eat. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ for us. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech thee, almighty God, that the words which we have heard this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.